Hi, folks. Thanks for listening to Crit Tank. I'm your host, John Worley. Uh, today, I'm going to give you the intro for the first interview that we did uh, with Jay Wilkinson. And if you are familiar with the area of Magnolia, Fairmount, uh, you'll know Jay. He's a pretty big component of that community. And I uh, thought he was a great person to start us out with uh, for interview. Uh, to tell you a little bit about Crit Tank and what it's going to be, uh, if you're familiar with Adam Carolla's podcast or Nerdist podcast or WTF with Mark Marin, the style is going to be sort of the same. It's going to be long-form interview. I wanted to explore the community of artists that are here in the DFW area, uh, specifically Fort Worth because that's where I'm from, and uh, I thought that it's lacking the presence of really heartfelt interviews, uh, exploring the issues around art, why we create art, um, some of the controversial things that happen in the art world, uh, such as you know plagiarism, copying, where's the line. Uh, so it's, it's exploratory in that sense, um, but we get pretty deep. I wanted to explore why we create artwork, why we have to, why we're compelled. So it's a bit like that. Um, as well as uh, just general talk. Uh, we get a little bit into just things going on in general in the community or pop culture, that type of thing. Not that that's the focus of the show, but it, it happens in the course of the conversation. Uh, eventually, I'd like to get to introducing more than just interviews, uh, perhaps doing some, some demos in studio and uh, maybe exploring some of the new products that are coming out uh, to kind of jump into telling you about myself. Uh, I'm an artist. I'm a teacher. I also happen to work at an art store. And so many products come across my uh, my lap and I get to try a lot of them, uh, which is great. So I'd like to pass on some practical and technical knowledge to the listeners. Uh, and uh, yeah, that will be the the general beats of the show is is uh, some long-form interview, exploring some new products, giving some tips and tricks, that type of thing. All right, so on to episode one. Uh, I actually break this down into two parts, so I'll release them at the same time. Uh, but we went a little bit over an hour, uh, so I, I wanted to split it in half so you know it, it isn't a big download. Uh, to get some plugs in real quick, uh, Jay mentions in the second half of the interview a show that's coming up, and I wanted to go ahead and introduce that at the top and say that that's going to be May 28th. Uh, it'll be at Shipping and Receiving, and uh, coming up I have some shows in uh, in middle April, which I suppose uh, is coming up pretty soon. So that's going to be uh, Saturday uh, the 16th. I believe. Let me just check real quick. Uh, yep, sixteenth. That will be the Idle Hands Two show. So toy fans, vinyl toy fans, art fans, come out to Bedford. Uh, and I'll say that all this information can be looked up on our Art Dash Hunger uh, website and Facebook. And for information specifically uh, concerning Jay Wilkinson, you can find them at Bobby on Drums, and they have a Facebook page. All right, so without further ado, here is the first episode with Jay Wilkinson. talking about exactly like do you um, have, uh, is it just kind of and it was we hit on a bunch of stuff on the way over here that I wouldn't mind talking about uh, but yeah uh, yeah we can talk about all of it again I, I'm, I'll just follow you later. <laughs> I sort of wanted to uh, revisit something uh, about like copy work and stuff you know like Jimmy Big or sorry oh, Jeremy Jeremy Bigger, Jeremy, Bigger, Jeremy, Jeremy Bigger's uh, conversation or oh yeah uh, I'm down for that I, I mean I don't want to be like no, I'm not blasting him. You know, I don't want to blast him or anything. But just in general, just like, what do you think of 
the oh like where's the line? I know it's sort of like right. the whole question. But. I mean, really, like you know, it's the whole like like it's like uh, I, I feel like it's sort of inevitable with everybody's work. You know sure. what I mean? You know, there's that. So that's like the bigger idea is that like everybody copies everybody. It's postmodern thought, right? That just like nothing's new right. thing. But I think the thing is, is that it's like I don't know, man. I mean, I think I think that um, you have to just you have to like be real subtle or be like real sweet with it. You know, you can't like you have to like you know you can be highly influenced and in love with some what somebody else has done and just like really like care about it and feel like it's interesting and want to go down that road and that's totally fine. You just have to be real sensitive of, you know, like, you have to learn from it and not necessarily, like, you know, copy it. You know what I mean? You know? Well, like, do you think it's because the, the, the people that do copy don't have their own voice and they are trying to capitalize? Or is it is it not as nefarious as all that? Like, I don't it, think it's nefarious at all. I think that, like, most of the time it just comes from, like, love of, like, something. You know what sure. I'm saying? Because any time I've ever taken from people, because I literally, like, every time that I make a big move with my work or try something new, it's based off of something I've oh, seen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That I love, you know what I mean? And so, like, you know, um, every single time it's based off of that. So I think that it's, I don't think it's nefarious at all. I think that people really love stuff and they just really, you know, like, do it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, that's well, what I think. It I, is. I don't know. I have a, a, a perception of it that I, it's definitely a few people that exist in this one, I don't know, avenue of the art world. It's like, they may not be university trained, and I'm not saying everybody needs to be university trained at all, but it it does seem like the people I've met that aren't necessarily, have a BFA or an MFA or whatever, or they've taken one semester at junior college and they did art courses, like, and then they have a hella work ethic, like, they just go for it, and which... I am all for right. Yeah, uh, it just seems like they never, they never were indoctrinated into the you need your own style, you need mm, your own voice, right? And it, it's hard to cultivate it when you are kind of out on your own. But you're you're also in a competitive area when you're not inside school. Academia is yeah. sort of where you cultivate maybe a voice, but it's through com- camaraderie rather than just. I don't know. You're, yeah, you're under no. pressure. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree with that, man. And I think there's also two sides of it, too. There's a lot of people who are really in love with um, being an artist. Right. And then there's a lot of people who are in love with, you know, like making the art or like solving the whatever conundrum that art is or something, you know? Sure. And, and I think the people who really love with being an artist, they kind of find something and they latch onto it and they go for it. And sometimes that's fine because they're simple their simple direction with it and their need to not like explore it to death helps them to kind of just find a place and exist in it you know and and that's cool because uh, there's a lot of things where you're just like man what he does is good and I'm glad that I can have that you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and then there's the other side of it like with me like I I have trouble even finding one place to stay in because I just I'm I'm constantly like you know constantly wanting to and I, I have yet to find like a stride I think you know what I mean I mean I have things that like I have maybe a painting style or something or the way I've learned or like, you know, that comes through, but I don't think that I have like a direct voice yet. You know, I, mean? I think that I'm still jumping around, trying things and, um, and I'll probably be like that for a lot longer, Sure. you know, um, but I don't know. Um, so I think that there's either, there's either that thing where like not saying they're lazy, but they're just, they want to be simpler about it. They just like want to find the thing and then be that. And then there's the other side of it where they just love it. And so they want to explore that path and maybe they get a little too close to being, you know, they, 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 on. yeah, get a little too close to it, you right. know. And then there's the other side of things where you just burn right through it. You do three of them and you go, no, that's not what I want. And then you just keep moving. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so. I'll, I'll take a quick second and just say that my name is John Worley. I am uh, the host of this podcast. I'm here with Jay Wilkinson. Um, and I wanted you to sort of touch on something that you just well, in that same vein of you trying to figure out work and not having a definite "this is me" style, does that, in your experience, limit you to um, how you get access to gallery space, or is it more of a versatility thing? Like, does it open oh, up more doors than it closes? Yeah, I probably it's probably both. You know what I mean? It's probably both. Like, I mean, I I'm still pretty early with all this, so I still I've only just kind of started like 
you know what I mean? Like touching in the in the actual world of art, you know what I'm saying? In terms of like gallery work and being in spaces and stuff like that. The rest of the shit was kind of piratey before, you know what I'm saying? Like mm. I was always really I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss in the podcast. I mean, it's allowed. It's just I'm sorry, I won't do it too much. <laughs> but um but uh you know like I need to watch myself too. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, like um yeah, so it's it was always kind of just um and so like I really haven't I haven't really like whether it's working for me or not, I'm trying not to limit myself because I think that exploration is the only place to really find where it's going to stay, you know, or where I'm going to really be comfortable and happy and, like, make a thing that's, like, really, you know, like, cool and, and alive and me and, like, my own, you know what I mean? And I, I think it's kind of like falling in love, you know? Uh, yeah. ex- exploration <laughs> of, of your styles or exploration of just, like, the community that we're in like to uh, no of like whatever the hell art is you know what I'm saying like for me like wherever the hell this whole journey is going and what I'm gonna do that like I think it requires me like a lot like life you know what I mean where you like you you know you have to try stuff and then you have to hit your limit you have to go that's too crazy that's not me hmm. that feels like too outside of who I am and then you start narrowing yourself so it's a little bit like you know like falling in love and in a relationship it's like you know you you date a girl who's crazy and you go not that girl you know <laughs> and then and then you date a girl who is boring and you go not that girl either and then you find this like person who just kind of is everything to you but you can't rush it and you just have to wait and it just falls in your lap but the only way to 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 clear off all the crappy options is to try everything and so i don't know if it's helping me or hindering me yet but i there's no other way to go about it you know um so where did it start for you like where did you go to school like have you always been an artist um no i mean when i was a kid actually i drew comic books i was a big comic book guy my whole life i've been in comics and um and actually i was dyslexic as a kid Hmm. and and i couldn't read i hated reading and i was getting in trouble in school for not reading so my mom gave me comics to you know read or kind of so i look at the pictures and then read a little bit and look at pictures and then i kind of started drawing from that and then um and then in high school, I met a, I had a high school teacher who introduced me to painting. I'd never painted before. And then I started painting in high school. What, uh, like freshman, sophomore? Uh, yeah, like like sophomore probably, you yeah. know. I had an art class. And then I had a PE class right after that. And I did a, we painted with some different stuff, but I went straight into oil. Like, hmm. I just loved oil right back. Right in back. high school? In high school. I just was loved with oil. I was like, this is what I want to do. Because he showed it to me, and I was like, this is great. And uh, so I started doing it, and then he took me out of PE and made me his, like, teacher's assistant mm. for the class period right after art. So I had two periods in a row, so I had, like, two hours of art every day. Nice. So that was great. That was kind of, like, my big formative, like, figuring stuff out time. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then I and then right after college, I went to school at Pratt right. in, in New York, and that was great. I had the scholarship, and I was so psyched about my scholarship. I was like, $15,000 is great. And I got there, and they're like, it's 35000 to go here. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I was like, I never had $20,000 before, and I didn't think there was a way I could get it, so I just kind of went for as long as I could and then left. Oh, okay. And then came back and went to UNT. I didn't really dig UNT. I actually got thrown out of UNT. Well, I didn't get thrown out of UNT. I got failed, and so I quit because I was in a design class. Mm. And I was 18 and young and stupid and like didn't want to play by the rules and so they in a design class we had to do a mandala mm. and they said no figurative work and this is just a mandala design based thing and I did a Nelson mandala <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so naturally. and so they failed me and I said you guys don't get me and I quit you yeah. know? and then um, that was pretty much it for college and actually that was it for painting I didn't do any art for like seven years hmm. not one so drawing or painting or anything what uh, time period are you talking about like when was you when um, was the end of UNT and when yeah okay so you know high school was 03 and then you know probably like 04, 05 I came back from Pratt kind of thing and sure. then probably I was down to UNT by like 06 or 07 you know oh, okay so and so it the same as me like. yeah so about 06 or so I kind of quit sort of and then I didn't really paint until like Maybe three or... F- no, probably like five years ago, I did that mural at the warehouse. Right. And then I didn't do anything after that. And then I made a little crap. And then I got real serious. Everything I've done, I did in the last three years, so... So, what would you owe the 
the like relaunch. Six, you think? Well, the relaunch, but then also, I mean, you've got a lot of success. I would say, like, oh yeah, especially within the Magnolia. Yeah, area. yeah, yeah. That's true. I think maybe that comes from because uh, you know I was talking to a lot of art friends of mine, and it was like get your portfolio together and then show it to galleries, and I was like, fuck, fuck that, you know, like same. So it was uh, do something like crazy. Basically, okay. it was like sort of where I, I I realized that like if I did something where I I realized that no one cares. There's nobody who wakes up and is like, man, I can't wait to find a new local interesting artist in the world to buy a piece of art from or give a crap about. Sure. You know, nobody ever wakes up with that feeling. Right. So you have to like, they're not looking for you, so you have to put it right in front of them. And so I think that um, there was a few different things, but I think like messing around at the warehouse sometimes when I was you know younger doing those weird sculptures kind of gave me the confidence to do even bigger crazier sculptures and I've always had this mentality like if I'm gonna do it I'm gonna, I'm gonna you know I mean like if I'm gonna do it let's just do it you know yeah. so like the big I think that you know like the, the mural there and a couple of other things like that kind of helped me go all right I'm gonna I'm gonna go you know yeah. what I mean and so every time I get a project even you know like the residency thing they only gave me you know a decent amount of money for that but I blew way over budget and I went way over the top and everybody you know and so like that's kind of my thing is like early in your career and early in your life you have to just go harder than ever you have to burn it twice hard as hard you know what I mean mm-hmm. and, and then now it's great it's like now they, they don't have a choice because they can't ignore either something that's like massive or just something yeah, that's that here. is fully like you know what I mean like committed to it's just like I don't know how to not see that you know what I'm saying you know and so that's that's pretty much kind of the mentality and so everything we've done with Bobby on drums and everything I did with like all the other stuff was based on just we'll just do it you know what I mean like yeah. as hard as you can go you know and so stuff. Um, yeah so many questions talk talk a little bit real quick about um, you know how did you start Bobby on drums who's in it um, and um, yeah we'll just go from there man Bobby on drums was a nice accident actually Bobby on drums wasn't even me who started it it was Jeremy Joel sure yeah, because we did Apples together. Mm-hmm. We did the Apples event, and then they invited Jeremy to come do the mural at Apples. And I didn't even Nicole know that. Nicole Ofino set that yeah, up. Yeah, Nicole Ofino did the big Apples event, and I did, you know, and then and I got hired, or we kind of worked together back in the warehouse, and she was like, I need you to do this. So I was kind of the guy who decorated the place, you mm-hmm. know, and then I also did a big sculpture and mm-hmm. built this weird little park area kind mm-hmm. of thing. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, um, and then she was like, what about this guy, Jeremy? He did the mural. I was like, yeah, I've seen his stuff. I like it. So he came and he, he did it. And uh, then after that, he was like, I want to do a big show. Something that's like never been done before. Something that's really fun. And so he came to me and I was like, yeah, that sounds great. And then we kind of hung out and we did some collaborative pieces. We didn't really know what we were going to do yet. And then we were like, let's go. And let's, let's try to put this together. And then we started trying to put it together. And then... At the same time, on the other side, I knew um, I had owned a food truck for a little while. Oh, I forgot and, about that. Yeah, so I owned a food truck for a little bit during the time when I was trying to figure out what the hell I was going to do with life. Mm-hmm. And um, and so my partner, Milo, had a new maintenance guy. It was Brandon, mm. Brandon Peterson. Yeah, yeah. And um, Brandon, I kind of met him a couple times. I knew he could build kind of anything. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hey, uh, I don't know if you're interested in this crazy build project, but we want to make these massive things and we need help, you know? And Brandon came in on that level as just kind of helping us build the things. And then we found out that he had a ton of ideas and he was great. And then um, we did that big show. And mm-hmm. then after that, it was kind of like, I guess we're a team now. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, and uh, then we kind of just went for it. And we we got lucky enough to find a really cheap little studio gallery thing. And then, and then now it's kind of, now we're like brothers kind of, you know. So yeah. it's good, yeah. And the studio gallery that's on Ray Street, mm-hmm. um, sort of in that revitalized area that they keep getting going yeah yeah cool yeah um i had a question where um uh oh uh well i wanted to say brandon peterson he's brother sister design uh-huh. uh yeah. how long has he been doing that i know man he is a crazy guy he's got like a lot of crazy uh, adventures in him he lived in australia for five years and he was a maintenance guy at a ski resort <laughs> you know i mean like and all these crazy things and he would travel in the summer and then weird stuff but anyway he um he came back here like about a year before i met him and okay. then he kind of fired up his brothers to design thing so brothers design kind of is cool because it sort of 
ramped up with Bobby on drums, yeah. you know, as sort of a simultaneous thing. Like, he was already doing it, but it, it sort of, like, went with it, you know? And um, so that's been cool. I mean, he's killing it, you know? Yeah, that's, he's that's really awesome. killing it. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a good dude. I, I'm, it's funny how the, the teams come together because... I mean, when I saw that show that you and Jeremy put together, um, even though I had been here for a couple of years already, I w- that was my, like, impressive moment. I was like, wow, this is this is what I've always wanted to see. This yeah. is what I've always wanted was somebody to come in and say, you know what, screw it. We're going to do something huge. Let's go. It's going to be yeah. art everywhere. It's going to be tucked in side of drywall. Yeah. It's going to be in, like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah it, it's, mm-hmm. man, I loved that show. Uh, yeah. And I loved everybody that was in it. And um, yeah, I just want to keep it. I just want to keep it going. I, when I got back from Texas Tech, it's funny who I sort of ran into. I run into Mike, and then I run into uh, Nick. Like the first mm-hmm. show that me and Mike went to together, because he's you know boss at. Well, he was just my coworker at the time at ASL, mm-hmm. and ASL's just been kind of the nexus point for right. me, and I guess every a lot of other artists. Yeah, for but, all you guys, yeah. Um, it, it's funny how Fort Worth is, you know, close to a million people, and there's so much talent here. And I don't know; it's just my biggest conundrum, or my biggest um, question is like, why, why isn't yeah. almost a million people? How come there isn't? I know, I know, what New York's probably ten times that, but yeah, yeah. you'd still think like a, a fraction of a million people would. Uh, equate to something similar, even if it's on a smaller scale. I guess you it does. Think so, yeah, yeah. But, I think. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think maybe it's just like a a fear of uh, of that scene not existing. You know, it's like it's kind of like it's kind of like a, a dance. You know, mm-hmm. like if you go to like a wedding and no one's dancing, it's like somebody's just kind of waiting for the first guy to go dance. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I think there's a lot of really talented people. Who have been just? It seems like coming out of the woodworks the last like two three years. You know what I mean? And uh, and there's and there's more than there used to be, but there's still like a mountain before we're at like a you know we need just so much to make a really good art scene. But you know, who who can you name that you think is coming out of the woodwork? Oh man, I mean, I think that uh, Diana Urbina doesn't yeah, even know how good she is. Oh, you know? she's, she's better than she even knows. You know, know what I mean? she's. Her, yeah. She's probably my favorite photographer. Favorite photographer in town, for um, sure. I absolutely. Can say. And I, I, like, there's a lot of other photographers, you know, and I, I love you guys, but Dana, just something, there's some, there's a real honesty with her, you know what I mean? And it's awesome. And she just stumbled on it, you know? It's just, yeah. It's just truthful. And for someone who, I mean, I look at photography as a tool. I definitely see it as an art form, but for right. me, it's a tool. Yeah, and yeah. My brain doesn't work in a way that I can make that tool be as finished creative. product yeah, the, right. right oh my god and I just yeah. see man like the stuff yeah she, she needs makes no is, help <laughs> she needs nothing added to her work it's just done and it's great it's very and it's crazy to see that it's like wow you're, you're kind of done you know yeah. like, all this stuff is great you know I mean not done like making art but like she doesn't need help or thought you know she's just there she's already like making the work that is yeah. definable she's, you know? she's definitely on my list to, uh, yeah, to talk she's, to she's great and uh I like Raul a lot. Raul's great, and this whole well. Deep Red thing, and his team, and mm-hmm. Jeremy Piscina, and Abraham—they're all like mm-hmm. a cool crew, and they all have great work, and they're all like playing off each other. And I think that's kind of where it is. Like, I like the little factions as they exist. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're really helping. Like, you guys have your kind of little, you know, art hunger world, and then all the Azel thing, and then you have some great players in there. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, the stuff that you guys do is phenomenal. You know, and uh, um, yeah, it's great. <laughs> we try. It's great, and uh, and you know who else? Who am I thinking? I feel like I'm just, I mean, uh, James Lambis is really interesting because I like he's going down a road that no one else is currently, yeah. you know. And I think that he's like making cool strides, you know, like you know he's making some cool new thoughts. And then I love uh, the exhibitionists too, right? You know, yeah. because they're really they're really owning what they do, and they're really smart, and like and they definitely have like a real love for art and a real understanding of it more than I think most of us do because we're all kind of like you know well, yeah. guys you know I think it, it's funny because like I have been working at ASOL so I've got this crazy like materials knowledge like right. I feel like yeah. I've got pigments and yeah. like the, the ability to put those products together um, knowledge and then yeah James Lassen and like all those guys in ex- exhibitions they are around great art all the time mm-hmm. and, and it's just like what do you do out. with your yeah, yeah what do yeah, you do yeah. with your thoughts well I gotta go look at these paintings every day and these beautiful paintings and they're like constantly absorbed in them and stuff uh, yeah. I think that's a big deal if, if you want to be a great artist you know like just you know like I used to think don't 
I used to think stay away from influences. I used to think like it has to be real, and so don't spend all your time looking at work. But there's something about just like in terms of technical when you just pour yourself into looking at things. You know what I mean? That that really helps. You know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think hmm, after doing art for so long, going to a museum, um, I, I analyze the paintings. Me too. So it, much differently. So much differently mm-hmm. than yeah. It's like I, I'm sure it's the same for. Uh, musicians like I don't know how to play a lick at all but going to a, a show or if you're a sound engineer maybe even the same thing it's like oh well you know this isn't balanced right the speakers are off like the treble and the bass is off like but to me I'm just at the concert and it's right it's and just you're just having a good time, time and you're not seeing you're not seeing you know all the different things and I, I feel the same way like, I don't think that I, I very rarely do I think I go to a show and see fault in work as much as I just see like I'm interested in how they got to their result. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, oh, that's cool. So he did this and this and this, you know. And I love watching demos or seeing mm-hmm. demo guys, you know what I mean? Like, and, and um, you know. And actually, like, Jeremy Joel has been, like, a huge influence in the way I paint. Because Jeremy is one of the only artists that I know that I've ever met who paints without any plan or agenda. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, no <laughs> plan or agenda can't at all. Do that. Jeremy just goes in there and just starts making moves and goes, uh, maybe this or uh, maybe that, I don't know. And then it all comes out like really smart and strong. And I'm like, how do you do that? How do you know when to stop and when to start? You know what I mean? You know, it's really like, um, I don't know how you do that. Yeah. Uh, that, that person leaving was Monica. That's why there was a screech on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm definitely not that that's not my modality in mm-hmm. creation. And it, I think it's at, to a fault. Uh, Probably to my me too. Own. Exactly. To a fault myself, you know. There's uh, fearlessness in it. Right. And, like, and I think that that's really a point you want to reach with your artist to be like fearless of execution. Yep. You know, like I can always fix it. I can always come back. I own, like, you know, like an unbridled confidence, you know, it takes for that. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm afraid of that. You know? <laughs> I'm always like, I'm, man, if, if I do something right now, I could wreck this whole thing. Yeah, I... I feel like sometimes I'm walking on eggshells yeah. painting. and But I do love that moment when it clicks. And I was painting last night with oils. And I'm not an oil person mm-hmm. really. But um, yeah, I just kind of grooved. I was just like, yep, I Boom. I know how I'm going to do this. And then I'll run into another hurdle and I'll try to stumble my way through it. But yeah, I remember that clicking with watercolor and it just... I don't know that that moment when it all is just like okay now I don't have to be afraid Anymore. and start painting like mm-hmm. I know exactly what paints I'm gonna have out I know what brushes I'm gonna use I know where to start how to go about it and yeah yeah it's you know do you use uh, do you use a big palette or do you use a limited palette so I've got oh you mean like in terms of how many colors are in yeah. there oh mm-hmm. it's open as hell like you just go crazy yeah I, I've amassed so much paint for free. At the art store, <laughs> yeah, like a tube yeah. will be like half dried at the top, and it's like, okay, well, we can't sell it, so I'll take it home and I'll cut right. it open and get the mm-hmm. best out of it. But mm-hmm. now it's open, like, um, uh, because what I'm typically trying to go for is from a digital medium, like right. when it starts, and I'm yeah. usually projecting, and I've got pixels, and the colors are super vibrant, so mm-hmm. I can't get that with a limited. Uh, when I started, mm-hmm. I just did cadmiums and uh, ultramarine, white and black, and yeah. I probably did that for a good uh, four semesters nice. worth yeah, of yeah. painting, and yeah. um, it got me through. And then I started like accruing more and more colors, bringing in opera, bringing right. in um, phthalo. And I'm a phthalo guy. I like Thalo's it. my blue. I don't really use um, blues right now. But in the process, like. I guess I, I try to get the color that I want the most because it's the most correct, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not opposed to mixing a phthalo and an ultramarine or That's cool. ultramarine and a cobalt. Yeah, Maybe yeah. you're not supposed to do that. I don't really hey, see it. why. Nah, but, it's not bullshit. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and, that, and that's also the other side of, like, I think not being trained. Right. Like, you know, traditionally trained is like, um, you know, fuck it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, who, who made the rules? You know what I mean? Well, like, you know. I'll tell you, like, I don't think anybody sat down and said um, – Okay, here's how you paint. It, right. I went to Texas yeah. Tech. And, of course not. Uh, I don't remember any instructor coming over to me saying, okay, well, you know, if you hold your brush this way and you're doing it this way and you use this much oil and you use these two colors together and you do it this like No, mm-hmm. it's just like, okay, here's the project. Do it how you want. Right. And I was like, okay. And that's exactly the case. I mean, you know, I mean, like, I love watching the way other people paint mm-hmm. and I love learning new 
ways of painting, but I don't think that there's any way to paint. You know, I don't think there's any yeah. like there's no way to paint, but there's there's definitely like interesting things. You know, I mean? like, like like there's interesting aspects that I like. You know, like uh, there's actually this really cool set of demos that this guy does named David Kassan. Oh yeah, and, yeah, and I love watching his demos. I haven't seen so his demos, but I know the name. Oh, they're so worth watching. You know, I mean, like I use, I, I love watching them, and and they're so because the way he like paints, he paints real like it's just real about placement. It's mm-hmm. like this tone, this tone, this tone. Just place them, and then you know work back into them from there and stuff sure. that you know. And there's some stuff I don't know anything about. Like I don't know anything about glazing. <laughs> you know what I, mean? like, I don't know anything about glazing. I know some friends who glaze, and they're amazing at it. Yeah. And interested in it. But I don't go. Well, you're usually thing, knocking you know? out a painting and then getting it out the door pretty quick. Right? Yeah, I, I paint real fast, so yeah. I usually like paint it and it's done. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, but but I think that there's there's another side of it though that I need to stop doing that. You know, because mm-hmm. I need to at least revisit the paintings a few times. You know, yeah. Because there's I'm missing, I'm missing it. You know, I'm missing I'm missing where it could go. You know, maybe or or you know. Well, you I know. I think there's some. I think that's true a little bit. I think you're missing an opportunity because there's there's techniques that live when paint is four days dry versus mm-hmm. like one day. Exactly. And right. uh, and then when something's completely dry, you get to glaze over. Like that's a whole technique in and of itself. Exactly. So right. Yeah, I mean, it, it also I guess comes down to what is going to make your painting the most impactful or successful whatever mm-hmm. that means but yeah i mean yeah you could you know paint something and then come back later and just amp it up with mm-hmm. a luminosity by glazing it and maybe it works better but you know maybe the quick is what it needs and it's done at the yeah. same point so yeah who knows you know and I, and I think that that's kind of like falls back on that whole experimental kind of phase i am in right now where like you just can't be afraid you have to try it all and then and then if you hate it don't do it again you know what I mean? Yeah. Or if you love it, then keep doing it. You know, whatever uh, it is. Yeah. So, I have a question. Why? Or maybe it's maybe it's a just a <laughs> my perception of how other people perceive it. But why do you think oils is like the king right now? I don't know. That's like, I mean, not thing. even just to artists, yeah. but to like definitely people that collect. I see the collectors. Yeah, yeah. I see the world. Kind of, you know, I mean, it's maybe it's because uh, oils have have the the strength of time maybe you know what I mean I suppose like, so but oil, or maybe I think that oils definitely have a richness that like oh absolutely some paints can get but that you know that like and then oils are so uh, versatile like there's a lot of different ways you, I mean but then again the acrylics is like hyper versatile so yeah, you know and there's so many the, mediums you can add to acrylics there's so many things you can do acrylics are crazy you know so watercolor like, too though it's watercolor super versatile too. Like, it's hyper versatile yeah it, and gouaches and things you know so I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it is. I think maybe it just has some sort of strange prestige. Yeah. You know what I mean? That like that maybe it's just had because of its history or something. But I mean, I like it because of the um, sculpting. Okay. Of it, really? You, know you don't? Uh, well, it's, it's very. very my, it reminds me of clay. It reminds me of clay. A lot. I get that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like it's very sculpty. You know, and I like the ability to paint in and out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. With it, and you can do that a lot with acrylics, but acrylics. You have such a short dry time. That acrylics are really fun because you can move real quick with acrylics. You Absolutely. Can just, you can just do something and then crush it and then do something and then crush it. And you can't really do that with oils. Um, so At I least like, in the speed. I'm starting to understand that I think I might be um, interested in combining them. Do like an acrylic underlayer? Like the painting I just did for... Um, uh, for Fort the, Works. For the Fort Works of the Gallery Knights yeah. was a combination. Really? So it was acrylic. The background was acrylic. Interesting. That like... Yeah. Uh, those kind of Blue. gray tones and stuff they were like actually just house paint which I really like house paint uh, because house paint is an interesting thing because it's acrylic but it also levels itself mm-hmm. you know what I mean? and house paint usually has strange tonal qualities that don't mm-hmm. come with traditional tones of paint you know right. because people have so many crazy ideas on what they want their walls to look like that they're like sometimes they these, these tones are really they're just really like strange they're kind of between a lot of things and mixing them you can get that but you know it's it's really nice to like you know so so it's weird as I used some just straight up house paint in in, in like in a cut into the oil and then out of it and it sat kind of okay on it but luckily it was a real kind of like patchy fast painting so it really worked with it but you know okay. I liked that you yeah. know and I used them on the acrylics too so um, kind of interesting I, that's a Jeremy thing too I took it from Jeremy oh yeah he's a big house <laughs> yeah. 
Carlos so, yeah. Don Juan does that a, a bit too. Yeah, Carlos is into the house paint thing too. I think it's kind of a, uh, um, a kind of a street um, thing. It kind of comes from like from painting quick and fast when you're young. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, I think you know. And, and it's existed for a while too. I mean, um, I think David Hockney mm-hmm. did a bunch of that, and just all those guys when acrylic was first invented, sort of saw that oh yeah I can do an underlayer and then just paint on top. Yeah, I do that a lot. Usually I do a quick color underlay before any of the oil paintings, even if they're fully oil. I do a quick painting underneath of just yeah. another color, you know. Where do you get your imagery? <laughs> or like is it something yeah. you seek out? Is it Uh most of them I put together myself. I kind of photograph and then I'll kind of um uh, mess with, you know, in, in Photoshop or just in drawing and stuff. Um but a lot of that stuff is still that's where I think a lot of my instability lies mm-hmm. is like I'm still not sure what I want to paint or why I want to paint it you know what I mean so I try I tr- I've recently tried to make sure that it's coming from my life a little bit more like like for instance all the paintings I've been doing are like friends and then the, the items they're holding or whatever are things that like I own that are like my home you know and then I, I I'm, I'm kind of still che- treating them all statuesque mm-hmm. you know like with the work, work I'm doing and I sort of have that anti-portrait thing with no faces, you know. And mm-hmm. um, but um, they, I try. I'm trying to like you know bring it from from people I know and from the places I'm in. But I'm really ready to kind of drop all that um, statuesque posed thing, you know, and get a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more um, relaxed and like alive, you know. what I mean, in the moment, you know, and a little more okay. movement, you know. So are you saying that? Maybe the imagery that you're you're choosing, you're more hesitant about like what you want to paint rather yeah. than. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that I'm always interested in painting something else. Like mm-hmm. when I'm painting this, I'm like really interested in painting this. You know, when I'm painting this, I'm you know ready to move on and try something else. You know, and and I, I jump around. And I mean, and I, and and the more and more that I I keep I keep kind of avoiding the uh, I keep kind of avoiding the the obvious, but I think that I'm more and more interested in just painting more like traditional you know imagery like um like kind of Freudian and uh, um bacon you know mm-hmm. kind of just like people sitting on beds or in chairs or just like you know the life you know or, or like like the Alex Knevsky guy just kind of like the the like um kind of that layered constructed version of just a very simple moment you know what I mean and I wish that I was better at attaining that you know well, uh, Freud would have people stay over for yeah. ten hours at a time, <laughs> yeah. fall asleep, and he'd paint them. But right, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's interesting that it's a powerful um, subject is the the human form and the portrait mm-hmm. and just right. And I think a lot of what is painted today in contemporary art, or at least what I'm. I I see as like the most popular, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's not street art or some of this avant garde, just weird like mirrors broken and painted. Like <laughs> yeah. that stuff bugs me. I don't. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I it's appreciate. It seems it seems pushed. It seems like well, it just seems realistic, you know. Put it. It seems like it's um, yeah, it's manufactured. It's not personal. It's not real. It's. Uh, gimmicky, I keep, maybe? Gimmicky, totally. I keep going back to this article, um, and it was posted on Salon, and it was um, David uh, Foster Wallace was right. Iron, irony is destroying our culture, and it just mm-hmm. beat for beat breaks down everything that I have a problem with in art, and it's and it's all this ironic stuff or, uh, just to be... Ironic, yeah. Ironic, and it, it, it nails it on the head when it's like, okay, well, irony was first used to sort of bring to light a injustice or something that's going wrong or, you know, to show us this is going, wrong, uh, uh, going on in our society. And we've turned it to this fallback tool where everything's ironic. I mean, look at Banksy. Mm-hmm. Even though right. I like Banksy's work, but yeah. he's inspired... Tons of artists no, to go down yeah, a road that I, I don't, agree. They don't need to be down. Exactly. I think that, <laughs> I think that his work is incredible, but I think that his impact is awful. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I think all he all he he. I don't think that the I don't think that the young artist community understood 
his true motive and all they did was kind of adopt the worst aspects of what well, he was doing you know which is terrible but it's true you know a lot but, of the guys who follow him around are kind of making just stupid mistakes yeah and not even people just following him around like in his closer circle uh but i mean going back to the copycat people there's a couple people in dallas i can think of already that. doing that yeah it's like okay you're doing a little girl going after a balloon you know this is like his most iconic image why are you appropriating that and it's still stencil, and it's still black, white, and red. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, man, like, and you're building essentially your your art career on one painting from another artist, and exactly. you don't see a problem with that. No, I mean, definitely, definitely, the thing that I think is interesting in this time, and I think that hopefully there's going to be a return to this, is that, and you know, people are just going to. I think that all this is going to keep developing until it's worthless and meaningless and falls off. But I think that what's really interesting in terms of the work that's like really becoming valued now, you know, and like in like, and I mean valued by like valued in the last 10 years and like the stuff that's like really important is that there's, there is a little bit of a return to skill in terms of the big boys, the major players, because production is so easy now Mm -hmm. to produce any image in any way you want. is so easy that there's, that you can't just rely on your concept anymore. And uh, um, and so I think that that's that's a nice that's a nice thing, and I think that um, and I think that that's where you know that's that's that'll be the separation that'll be the long term separation for great work is is the time that you spent understanding why and where you are and who you are you know what I mean? and there's a lot of guys like any other thing especially like hip hop music I think is the biggest equate to art is uh, it's really easy for hype to make something valuable mm-hmm. but um doesn't mean that it'll stand the test of time and i think that um you know like finding your skill with whatever it is if you want to make a positive negative stencil kind of concept that's cool but you know puncture it through foam board with nine thousand matches you know what i'm saying like <laughs> spend the time and the effort to just like make the work feel like it's it's commitment to your thought you know what i'm saying and that's what people and collectors and other people want to see around the world is they want to see unbelievable commitment to your idea you know they want to see like are you crazy why did you you know why did you hole punch like you know 9,000 feet of material and then <laughs> hang them all individually like you're crazy you know yeah. and uh, and that's exactly I think um, where the value is kind of switching to you know and or I hope it's switching to you know well I think I think you're right I mean we spent probably the last three or four decades de-skilling art and we artists did. and I say we like I a hand in it but uh <laughs> but yeah like everything goes you can do anything don't worry about your technical skill as long as you have a crazy concept then right. don't worry because you know people who don't like it well they just don't get it because they're not artists or they're not in the art world yeah. i hate that argument it's and, a bad argument yeah uh, and it's, it's just a dated argument you know what i mean and i get in the moment why it was interesting i get why right. it was interesting. oh uh, me too know? Because, you know, it was destruction of culture and all this kind of destruction of, of boundaries. And that's great. Love destruction of and boundaries. Coming out of Nixon you know? and, and Reagan and right. all, just yeah, everything just so destroy these, you know, rip your suit off and, yeah. you know, like wear, you know, no shoes. And, you know, this is like destruction of like of what we thought was supposed to be there. And, and I think that um, what's nice is I think that like even things like, like for instance, even like silly magazines and, and simple stuff like High Fructose and Juxtapose have actually pushed the boundary for skill. Because oh, yeah. a lot of those things are, are pretty highly skillful work that they introduce. You know what I mean? Like through the like really like you know beautifully well done surrealist things, or even even just the the Photoshop or even kind of the digital design stuff mm-hmm. that they do is pretty damn skillful. You know what I mean? Like and so I hope that that kind of stuff is really what's sinking in with I, people. You know? I think so. I, I hope so because I spend. <laughs> I'm so cynical and I, I see art and I just see when you say you go to a museum and you don't pick it apart for its faults like I'm in there not necessarily looking for faults but I notice them right and I I mean it's not I definitely appreciate the successful work for sure um, but when I do see uh, they left the underdrawing lines on their painting and I can mm-hmm. see them and yeah. it doesn't look like it's intentional right. that bugs me or just just the lazy conceptual side like a guy that paints just all skulls still and like not, not even very well <laughs> yeah, like, yeah it's like okay yeah I mean, okay it, yeah I that, that bugs me I, yeah. I don't know I could could go on but the skull is a funny thing because like everybody I know who's a painter like 
has a skull. Sure. You know, and they all have a skull somewhere, you know, and like, and, and I think that's, like, like, for instance, I have an artist who's a friend of mine who is getting good. He's kind of a young, you know, he's not young, he's young in his art world, and he's getting good, and he's going to be really good, and his skill level's there, but he was, you know, he did a show with me, and he was like, well, can I put this piece in? It's kind of a copy of another piece. It was like a test thing. I was like, no, you can't. Yeah. You know, he was like, no, man. I mean, because, you know, like, practice work is practice work, and, you know, and, like, I think that there has to be that divide where you, like, I mean, okay, yeah, you can sell your sketches all day. A lot of people do. I sell my sketches, and I think it's great, but at the same time, like, you have to bite off more than you can chew. And then you have to execute it. And I think that there's not a lot of that when it comes to art. A lot of the artists I know who are really great are fearful and they stay within the boundaries that they've understood and they make work on the level they've understood. And there's no push to make it on their level. And then even when they do push to make it on their level, there's like they don't finish it. And it's like that horrible, you know, finish line thing is where you improve. That all that is you swinging two bats, you know, before mm-hmm. you go out to hit a home run. It's like that is where you are made. And so, you know, that, and it kind of goes back to um, I was talking earlier about like kind of how we and I think why, you know, like Jeremy and Brandon and, and some of the other uh, people have had great success. And it's because they, they, they're doing something that they've never done. And then they're finishing it. And whether it's like fully developed the way they truly wanted it to be, it was they bit off that whole thing. Like for instance, like that big sculpture I did, I have never sculpted <laughs> styrofoam in my life. And that thing did not turn out great. <laughs> it was a to me it was a giant failure, but I learned so much because, you know, in three weeks we had to make this twenty six foot sculpture and and I'd never used styrofoam before and I just bought uh fifteen hundred dollars worth of styrofoam. <laughs> And a hot knife, and I just went crazy, yep. you know. And it worked out okay. Like that part, I, I was happy with a little bit. But um, without that extra, without that 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 push to finish a work, you're not really doing it because there, you need to like, you need to like, put yourself all the way through it, all the way to the end. You know what I mean? And then, then you understand how to, to go through it. And then, like you know, like if you if, if you paint you know two foot by one foot paintings and you do a a a six foot by five foot painting it's gonna be hard but Mm -hmm. then you do your second six foot by five painting it's a little easier and then that gets easier and then you do a 10 foot by 40 foot painting and then you're like that was freaking rough but the second time you do a 10 foot by 40 foot painting then it gets easier and so like the only way to get good at doing the fully finished product is to do a fully finished product you know sure Uh, i mean you can only become a better chess player by Playing by playing chess, better, yeah, and better opponents, and by, yeah, exactly, yeah, but and like if you're pushing gonna, your game, you know, yeah, uh, and you need that crucible, you need that time clock counting down, like okay, it needs to be done now, yeah, that that deadline, that, that push, you. that 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 fear, that stress, all that's important, like you know, yeah, like fighting, you know, you're not gonna get the only way you get good fighting is getting the crap kicked out, yeah, you know, yeah, you so you have to go and you have to push, and like nobody, 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 I mean, nobody's interested because they they kind of think. Art has this weird thought that it's supposed to be like expressive and fun and simple right. and beautiful and interesting, and it's not. It's hard and horrible, and you bleed. And you know, like like that week that I did that sculpture, I did I did eighty hours of sculpting that week, hmm. or something like that. And I came home, my girlfriend was like, "You're gray," <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Gray," and like my bags under my eyes, I was dying. And um, and then I still had one more eighty hour a week after that just to finish it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Rough. And it was dumb but you know you know like now i know i hit my bar my limit and now i know i can do that if i have right. to you know what i mean well it makes you better prepared for the next time and right exactly yeah so i mean so that's i think that's that's the thing that artists don't do is finish you know just take on a big project and then finish it completely yeah you know? um i put down that uh, it must be like a six foot by seven foot or five by six no, it's like six by seven foot mm-hmm. oil painting, and I haven't yeah. painted an oil painting since probably uh, 20, 2011, maybe a little bit before that, because it was all watercolor all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and even in that that my last semester or two, I got a twenty five foot roll of watercolor paper. I said I'm going to fill this whole thing, and I did, and that was that was rough. That's but awesome. 
Uh, but putting I put this oil painting down last summer because I just got super busy. I had like three mm-hmm. jobs, and I didn't yeah, have yeah. a day off since uh, until Thanksgiving. But right. yeah. uh, going out to this last gallery night really lit a fire. I saw yeah. you selling out, and just you know Riley's got a, a, a show there. Riley's um, great. His work is great. Yeah, I, I like his work a lot. Um, and I was just like, okay, I need to, yeah. I need to pick this back up. And it, sometimes the hardest thing is is starting. I know it's kind of cliche. It, no, again, that's but completely true, dude. That's totally true. Quit making excuses, and I had. I feel that way all the time. <laughs> Every single time, you know, it's not it doesn't go away. So yeah, I, uh, yeah, I got back into it, and I'm really enjoying it. Um, that's awesome. Well, man, uh, we've been at it for a while, and you okay. want, you want to take <laughs> yeah. a break? Sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm gonna take sure. a quick break. Enjoy these messages. for the first half of the interview with Jay Wilkinson. Special thanks to Doug Armstrong, a.k.a. El Bujo Cosmico, for all the original music for today's podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.